VBS appeals to childlike fascinations with things like adventure and heroism and instill messages of personal empowerment that are tied directly to God's involvement in their lives. God is a necessary element to you being everything that you can be. The fun of it is contingent on being indoctrinated. You can't just play the games and watch some videos or have some pizza and go home. No, you have to sit through hours of aggressive indoctrination that is sugar-coated with fun music, eye-catching visuals, and food. You attend, you bring your Bible, but the whole thing, it hinges on bring a friend. Yes. Because if you only do the other two, you're not in the running for that we. No, you have to ruin someone else's life to have that we. Invite people who come to our food ministry to come to VBS. You know, you're already needy. Let's get your kids a good breakfast and a good lunch, and maybe we can talk to you for a little while, too. Welcome to Unbound, a podcast for new atheists and lifetime atheists, ex-evangelicals, truth seekers, and free thinkers. There is life after faith. And life here is good. It's time for a new perspective and a better conversation. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And it's time to get unbound. You know, the way this religion preys on children is enough to make any thinking person want to scream. But the ways that certain pervasive programs do it is even more rage-inducing, and this one crosses so many denominational lines that even if you aren't part of some crazy evangelical church, you've probably heard of this, seen it, or been involved with it. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And I'm talking about a little thing, actually a a very big thing, Mm. that has been pervading Christian pop culture for decades by stealing all of its content and ideas from actual pop culture and using it to just keep flooding the minds of children with false notions about God and what the nature of the God of the Bible actually is. I'm talking about Vacation Bible School, or VBS, and we will have lots more to say about that shortly. But first, manifestos, decrees, hostages, and a few more reasons why the ministry is a bad idea on a good day. It's Christians Behaving Badly from Bondage to Decay edition. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first up, this is like the most terrifying clip I've ever seen, like in a long time. The link to the uh, clip and Hemet Mehta's article are in the show notes. I think it's important to watch it to understand that this is what our democracy is up against. I think it's important to watch it to understand that this is what our democracy is up against. I have included a link to the text of this clip, but hearing these people say it with meaning and power in their voices really drives the danger home. It does. It is terrifying. Yeah, beyond terrifying. Yeah. The clip is from a Flashpoint Live event in Atlanta, Georgia, held over the 4th of July weekend. During the event, host Gene Bailey urged the Christian audience and everyone watching the live stream to join together and recite what he called the Watchman Decree. Watchmen, in this case, referred to people who pledged to watch over the nation and make sure it's run according to conservative Christian principles. They sound like they're going to do much more than watch. Here's just the beginning of the decree. As a patriot of faith, I attest my allegiance first and foremost to the kingdom of God and the Great Commission. Secondly, I agree to be a watchman over our nation concerning its people and their rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Whereas we, the church, are God's governing body on earth, whereas we have been given legal power from heaven and now exercise our authority, 
whereas we are God's ambassadors and spokespeople over the earth, whereas through the power of God we are the world influencers, whereas because of our covenant with God, we are equipped and delegated by him to destroy every attempted advance of the enemy. This is next level. Yeah. This really is next level. And if this isn't enough to get people off their asses to vote, I don't know what. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what could be. I don't. I don't know. You know. I mean, if this doesn't scare the ever-loving shit out of you, if this does not have you looking at the very real probability of your country just not existing anymore, and let me tell you something. Let me just make sure that we understand something here. The whole notion of it can't happen here is a crock of shit. Oh, yeah. Okay? The whole notion that we couldn't just turn into the Republic of Gilead tomorrow, no, we can. Yeah. And we're edging ever closer to that. Just ask anyone who lived in Iran in, like, the late 70s. Oh, yeah, right. And who lives there now. Nobody, nobody thought that the things that could happen there would actually happen there and how little time it would take to completely transform this country into a theocratic hell. Yeah. And you know what? It can happen here. Oh, yeah. Just listening to these words and realizing what they mean and how serious these people are about their agenda. They started losing ground a few years ago. They were people who started seeing the writing on the wall with that mm -hmm. and started uh, looking at this thing called evangelicalism with different eyes. Well, guess what? They're pushing back and they're pushing back big time. Yes. And they have the power to sway elections. I mean, look at, look at what's going on out there right now with yeah. the Supreme court and all of the, all the concessions that are being made for them and their beliefs at this point, five years ago, just five years ago, did anyone think that Roe v. Wade would ever be overturned? Really? Well, guess what? We're here now mm -hmm. and this is getting serious. Listen and heed the warning signs. Yeah. Just heed the warning signs. This is real. We are at DEFCON 2 at this point. I mean, and listen to these words. To destroy the attempted advance of the enemy? Gee, who could they possibly mean? I have no idea. Legal power from heaven? What the hell does that mean? Legal power from heaven? Yes, it's like... Legal power from heaven. Okay, no. Your Sky Daddy is not making the rules here, okay? No. No. He's just not. We haven't gone back to the Middle Ages where the divine right of kings existed. No, no, we're not writing law based on what comes up in the runes. Uh-uh, no, <laughs> that's not how it works anymore. Yeah. And then they get to their decrees and declarations, and here are a few of those. We decree that America's executive branch of government will honor God and defend the Constitution. We decree that our legislative branch... Congress will write only laws that are righteous and constitutional. We decree that our judicial system will issue rulings that are biblical and constitutional. We declare that we stand against wokeness, there's that word, the occult, and every evil attempt against our nation. We declare and we now take back our God-given freedoms according to our Constitution. This coming from a group of people who absolutely positively don't have the first fucking clue what the Constitution has to say about anything. Yeah. Because just like with everything else that they believe, they're going to read that document from whatever slant it takes for it to make sense inside their own heads and agree with this idiotic agenda of theirs. Yeah. 
And it goes on from there. It's a prime example of the seven mountains mandate where the Christians say they should rule over each of seven mountains of like culture. Oh, like yeah. Culture, arts. Yeah, I've heard and, about this. Yeah. It's clear that they want to infiltrate the government at every single level and retool the government to behave the way they, and only they, interpret it. They have authority over everything evil, and considering they can name anything evil and have it stick, that's not scary at all. They will stand in unity, which is bad news for everyone who isn't their brand of Christian. Yeah, that's the thing, their brand of it. I mean, I, I know. I know that there are plenty of Christians out there who are seeing this, reading these words, and are just embarrassed by them. Yes. Because oh, I'm sure. it's embarrassing to it to anyone who is at least sane enough to look at their religion from a perspective that is just a little bit less extreme. It's scary, but it's also downright embarrassing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it weren't so scary, it would be hilarious well that's true you know and that's why in a lot of these cases i've said in the past you know if i don't laugh about this i'll scream about it yeah and i'm glad that there are resources out there like um like the scathing atheists and shows like that oh yeah right take a little bit more of a humorous approach to this but it's difficult for me to draw humor from something this extreme and something that is such a huge red flag that it's like, you don't even have to be an ex-evangelical or understand what these people think or how they think to understand how bad this is. So whatever your background is, if this isn't enough to light a fire under your ass to get up and vote, I don't know what is. I don't either. I don't know what it's going to take. These aren't some people on the fringe either. Gene Bailey, the host of the conference helps run Eagle Mountain International Church, which is affiliated with Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Copeland, of course, is arguably the wealthiest scamvangelist in the world. You can tell just by looking at the crowd that we're not talking about pastors who run churches out of strip malls in random cities. These are the kinds of people who use their wealth to spread Christian propaganda and gain influence. And make lots and lots Lots of money. Lots and lots of money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, be careful who you vote for. Oh, yeah. Be very, very careful. I mean, be careful you don't uh, get stuck to your couch on election night, too. Yeah, seriously. This next one, it's a little creepy, but it kind of gives me that fight back vibe that we kind of need right now, too. Yeah, yeah. A new billboard just outside of Columbus, Ohio declares, stuck in Dwell Community Church, there is hope. And as every sign starts with a reason, this sign has a big one. Dwell Community Church in Columbus, formerly called Zenos Christian Fellowship, has been the subject of multiple news reports alleging spiritual abuses, dangerous living conditions, control, and exploitation of former members. The billboard also contains a QR code with a link to a website run by former members of the church. It's called leavingdwell.com. The site contains links to resources for people leaving the church, as well as stories from ex-members. There are stories of long meetings, encouraging teenagers to leave their parents and attend more meetings, and housing 13 people to a room and more. Oh, that many people in that small a space? Yeah, that's not comfortable. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. One quote from the website. You don't have anyone. 
We've separated you from your family. We've separated you from your friends from the outside. We've done a really good job of making you part of this system, and now we have control over you. And that's pretty much it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's that, what that's they do. what they do in a nutshell. Well, it's a cult. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's it's uh, like real culty behavior. While the leaders of Dwell Community Church say they're not keeping people against their will, if you've manipulated people enough, it doesn't take a locked door to get people to stay. No, not at all. We stayed in this thing called evangelicalism for 25 years. Yeah. And no one had us on a tether. No one made us do anything, stay at a particular church. It's the messaging and the fear that it instills in you about leaving. That's what keeps you there. That's the tether. That's where the bondage comes into play. And finally, Hemet Meta puts it this way. The truth is, billboards like this could be placed outside any number of evangelical megachurches that take over the lives of their members and make them feel like they need the church to survive. Your volunteering time goes to them. Your friends are other members. Your money becomes donations. It's all-encompassing, and this is where it becomes a serious problem, all-controlling. When a glorified book club takes over your entire life and dictates how you ought to live your life in a way that involves repression and bigotry and denying reality, it's time to find new hobbies or a different book club. Yeah, at least a different book club. And boy, oh boy, can I relate to all of that. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, there was a time in my life when I was literally in church, sometimes five or six days slash nights a week. And there was always something going on. Whether it was the Wednesday night family night or Taekwondo classes. Oh, yeah, we had Christian Taekwondo classes Mm. in this church, people. We'll even dive into this concept a little bit later in the main segment. But uh, remember the concept of peer care, which I will (laughs) expound on just a little bit more for those not in the know. But that was Thursday night. Then there was youth group on Friday. Sometimes there were rallies and youth meetings over the weekend. Sometimes there were retreats. There were times when I was actually at church seven days out of seven. Yeah. And that's the way, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, they like it. Mm -hmm. And they will keep you in that routine for as long as you allow them to. And they will teach you that this is something that you need, that you need to be here. You need to be involved with this because what's going on out there in the world is evil and you don't want to succumb to that. You just want to be here. Now, this last one, as you put it in your notes, is not really about Christians behaving badly, but I think that anyone who has spent a significant amount of time in this thing called evangelicalism should really listen up because, I mean, this is a lot of the messaging that we've tried to convey here, just kind of condensed down into a few really eloquent and relevant sentences. So let's hear a little bit about deconversion empowerment here. Yeah. That's what I'm calling this. Yeah. It's more about deconversion. Um, The article is by Neil Carter over at Only Sky Media, and it's called Our Biggest Mistake. We did as we were told. Oh, boy, don't I know a thing or two about that. (laughs) Yeah. He begins by talking about how Christians will accuse people who have deconverted and left the faith that they couldn't have been very committed or they were falling away because they are too weak. Maybe we didn't read the right Bible or go to the right church. But Carter makes the argument that he and others like him left the faith because they were too committed 
totally trying their hardest to do and be everything they thought God wanted, that they worked themselves out of the faith. He stated, no, we were the ones most committed to following our faith to the limits of our capacities and beyond, past the point of our own breaking. Oh, don't I know about that. Following Jesus wherever he led, even to the ends of the earth, we were totally sold out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I found myself really identifying with that, too, because, you know, I remember when I was when I felt I was called to the ministry I wasn't the only one at that altar that night, but I was the one who went to Bible college to actually go into the ministry. I definitely noticed that no one else went. I wondered if I was crazy. Oh, yeah. And you know what? It was the same thing with me. All those people that stood up that night during that retreat. How many of you think that God is calling you into full-time ministry? I can count on one hand the number of us that followed through. Yeah. You know, I wasn't alone alone. But I was almost alone. Yeah. And certainly not any of my closest friends who were all also on their feet that night. Yeah. So, no, I I feel this. I feel this in a big, big, big way. You know, being at the point where I've given everything that I have to give, that I've sacrificed everything that I had to sacrifice, and being desperate for God to say something, do something, anything at that point, and just... Watch it never happen. Yeah. And yeah, it can change, alter the course of your life, either for good or for bad. Yeah. When things like this happen. You know, for me, it was good, but I also feel like I went through an an awful lot of bad to get to the good. Yeah. So, I mean, at least we got here, Mm -hmm. but it was a long and laborious road. And I spent a lot of time wondering what I had done wrong, where I had failed to listen and obey. Really? what was I doing wrong that nothing was going right? And it just reached a point where the disappointment with myself just turned into disappointment and anger with God. And honestly, I think that's a good place to get. (laughs) Because you start understanding things a little bit better. You You stop making excuses. And you start demanding that your God take action. And when he doesn't, that just steers you right into unbound territory, doesn't it? It really does. Carter makes the following points about himself and his peers. We took the Bible seriously. Seriously, yes. I read the Bible every night. I didn't skip a night. I mean, we both had classes in it. We all studied it. We were serious about it. We were very serious. And I mean, you were more so than than I was. You read your Bible way more than I did. Way more than I did. Maybe you did this too, and it only strengthened your faith. But speaking for myself and so many of my post-Christian friends, it was our reading of the Bible that put us on our journey out of the faith entirely. Well, yes, because the more you read the Bible and understand it, you start noticing certain things. The whole business, the, this whole soapbox that I get up on all the time about how God never says he loves anyone. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to spend a goodly amount of time reading that book for that to click in your head. And it's true. I've issued the challenge over and over and over again. And so far, not a single person, evangelical or otherwise, has been able to show me in any way, shape, or form, through any interpretation, through any explanation of, well, this is what the original text meant and said or whatever, 
you can't come up with a single solitary instance of God saying that he loves anyone. And he never turns to look into the camera and say it to us. Never. It just never happens. And these are the types of things that you start picking up on the more you read it. If you start out reading this book from that perspective, then you're going to see it for what it is. Right. There's no possible way that you could see love or compassion or acceptance or tolerance or any of these things coming out of this deity. There's no possible way that you could see it. If you read it at face value and you're committed to actually knowing and learning and understanding what it says, you cannot form the conclusion that this God is a God of love or that he has our back in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. You, you can't glean that from the words in the book. Oh, no, not at all. Number two, we prayed for the things the Bible told us to pray for. We didn't pray for a pony. We didn't pray to get rich or drive better cars. No, we prayed for our loved ones to overcome illness, just like Jesus and James told us to do. Yeah, like me praying for you for a year to get over that fucking cough. Yeah. Over and over and over and over again. And that was that was what led to my first time walking away. Yeah, but nothing out of the ordinary happened. The people we prayed for either got better or they didn't, but at exactly the same rates as people who weren't being prayed for at all. Believing actually led to the demise of my faith because it caused me to expect God to do things. There it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Number three, we shared our faith with others. Boy, was that a mistake. I regret it every single day. More often than not, it's a fool's errand to share your ideology with people who don't already accept all the same fundamental beliefs that you do. Now, evangelism does work as long as you restrict it to those people and places where everyone already thinks the same way you do. They call this preaching to the converted, and as pointless as that sounds... It's the only kind of preaching that reliably works. Well, yeah, it keeps butts in the pews and it keeps uh, dollars going into the, uh, into the offering plates. Yeah. That's really all they want anyway. That's all they've ever wanted. Yeah. Number four. We believed God was a person who wants to be known through an intimate personal relationship. <laughs> we really did. We did. We wanted it. It just seems so silly now. It does. It seems like such a silly notion. And uh, he says, this for me personally was the fatal error of my religious upbringing. I realize there are many different ways of viewing God, even the Christian God in particular, and not all traditions stress this idea of an intimately personal God, much less a personal relationship with Jesus. But mine did, and that to me was the biggest mistake of all. Huge. After all, if you work under the notion that you should be able to perceive, hear, and see God everywhere, it'll work for a while until you crash into the wall of self-honesty, and then it's game over. Yeah, sometimes it takes 25 years to crash into that wall. Yeah. And then you look back at the sheer number of canaries in the coal mine that you saw, and you sit there and you wonder why on earth earth did i waste so much of my life and time on this and then as i've said many times before go all the way back to episode one then you get on to the difficult work of just letting it go yeah because it happened and you can't do anything about it now all you can do is keep moving forward keep 
thinking forward, keep looking forward. And that's all any of us have. We can't go back and fix any of it. No. But but we can acknowledge what was wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And we can be thankful that it's not part of our lives anymore. Yeah. Number five, we landed in leadership positions and got to see how the sausage was made, so to speak. Oh, did we ever. Some of us more than others. Be careful how far you advance in your faith. If you do things too well, they put you in charge. <laughs> yep. How many episodes have we done on this? Like three so far? Oh, I'm more At than least. that. This concept comes up a lot. It does. On this show. It does. You know, it's, and yeah, if, if you do things too well, they put you in charge. Oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. They really did it to you. I barely had a toe over the threshold in some of these churches, and I was standing behind a mic with a guitar. It was it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. 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 Number six. We loved people the way our faith told us to, but got kicked out of the club for doing so. A prophetic tradition runs through the Bible exhorting the people of God to advocate for social justice. It repeatedly tells them to look out for the poor and the infirm, taking care of those who are less fortunate. And here's a good quote from the article that sums this feeling up. I tried to live my life according to the God is love philosophy, and it turned out that the closer I got to completely loving others and myself, the further I had to go from the teachings of the Bible until all that was left was the love part and not the God part. And that's the problem right there. Right. Because you will never, you'll never see love in this deity. No. You'll never see any interpretation of love coming from this, this miscreant of a deity hmm. that people have just decided loves them. Right. For, for reasons that are, are just so far out there. And for, and for many, probably for no reason whatsoever, other than that they were told that this was true from the time they could understand. That's where the conversation's going next, isn't it? People being told these things about God and, and having these associations made between God and things that are fun and good and pleasurable from the time that they're young, very, very young. And these things stick. Yeah. And they do damage and they do harm. But I don't want to get too far into that because we are going to be talking about that in just uh, in just a little bit. But that last one, you want to talk about six direct points of relatability. Oh, yeah, right. Um, there, there was absolutely nothing in here that I haven't experienced intimately inside my own head. And it's sad. It's sad that it has to be that way. But when I read through all of these points at least I can say I'm not alone. And that honestly is the point of this show, isn't it? We're here to try and get through to people who have been in this, who are in this, who have suffered the same kinds of things that we have. And you know what? You're not alone. And it may be small comfort after what you've gone through, but hopefully it is some comfort to know that there are other people out here who have experienced the same things that you have, who have made their way through and have gotten unbound. And with that, I'm just going to make our weekly appeal here for anyone who is able to help us out financially. Our Patreon is active at patreon.com slash unbound podcast network. Any amount of money is going to help us keep this thing going. And if you don't have the funds to be able to, uh, to spend on free content, we get that too. 
Just help us out in every way we talk about every week. Your likes, your shares, your five-star ratings, and talking about us. Absolutely, positively tell people that we are here, especially those that you know who have been through this, who are on the fence about it, or maybe are still so mired in the Kool-Aid that they just need a a nice uh, swift kick upside the head once in a while about the things that they believe. Just tell people we're here because we're here to help on a number of levels. We want to see people walk away from this thing called evangelical Christianity. We want people to know that it's okay to walk away from this thing called evangelical Christianity and that they don't have to worry about going to hell or any of the bad and awful things they've been told will happen to them if they walk away. There are so many better um better things that you can do with your time and with your life and with your thought life and with your emotions and with everything that goes into this, then keep pouring it into this thing that has no basis in truth or reality. And this is why we're here. This is the message we're sending. And you can help us in all of the ways we mentioned with your dollars and with all of the non-monetary ways that you have to keep people informed about the fact that we're here and, and that we're bringing this messaging in a way that I believe to be unique among our genre in podcast (laughs) land. I think that we're doing this in a slightly different way than a lot of shows do it. A little bit less on the humor side, a little bit more on the in-your-face side. But you know what? They were very in-your-face with us (laughs) about all the things that they expected us to believe. So I don't mind returning volley in that regard and just letting people know straight up that, no, you don't need this in your life. You do not need to keep going to church and sacrificing your time and feeling guilty when you don't and feeling bad about yourself because you're not a good enough Christian. You don't need to be a good enough Christian. You just need to be a good enough you to be happy with yourself and your own skin. That's what you need. That's what you need to be focused on. And that's the the general messaging of this show. And if you think that what we have to say has value, then let some people know that we're out here and that we're doing this and that we care about them. Even though we've never met them, we care about every person that downloads these episodes and listens because we know we've been there. We understand what you are going through right now, especially if you're still in the middle of this and trying to figure out whether or not you should be out. The answer to that question is yes, you should. And just keep listening. You've got, I think uh, we're, we're up to 117 episodes <laughs> yeah. of reasons why you should. So definitely keep listening And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of just walking away from this thing. It's a good decision. And it's one that you should try and make. Whether you make it instantly or over time, there are off-ramps to this crazy highway that you're on. And we want to keep helping guide you to them. And we're here for you. And we care about you. And you are not wrong. You're not wrong. If you're thinking that you should be out, you are not wrong. And before I get into any real heavy commentary on that, you know, sometimes I just, I, I feel like it's, it's necessary to let people know and talk to them directly and tell them that it's okay to not be in this. But I think that I've belabored the point long enough. So with that, next week, we are, um, I'm going to kind of follow on the heels of tonight's discussion because I think that these two subjects do kind of go hand in hand. They don't, they're not directly related, but I do think they go hand in hand. Next week, working title for the episode is 10 Things I Hate About Christian Parenting. <laughs> and we're going to 
basically spend an hour talking about how Christian parents fuck up their kids <laughs> and how you can steer clear of the fuck uppery. Yes. Um, I think I just made up a new word. Mm. Anyway, um, the next movie that we're going to do, I, I meant to mention this last week, but you know, I'm still, you know, COVID brain and all of that. Um, and I also didn't put it in my notes because I wanted the live react thing. Our next movie is going to be a funny little tale called Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> And for those who've seen it, you already understand why we've chosen this one and, and, and how it relates to the things that we talk about. And we're going to be dropping that episode on August 14th. In the weeks in between, it's still kind of a toss-up. But come back next week for 10 Things I Hate About Christian Parenting. And let's look ahead to uh, a nice little discussion about the perils of corporate life, um, <laughs> the joys of orange soda, and all of the things that make up this thing called Joe versus the Volcano. It was a yes. great movie back in the day. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like with a lot of things and with a lot of these movies, I look at this particular one with different eyes as an atheist yeah. because it's like, oh my God, this is what they were trying to say. <laughs> and so it's just another example of that. All of the movies that we've looked at have been examples of that. But I do think that this one is a good one. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting into a discussion about it middle of August. With that, I think it's time to just dive right into our main topic and talk about this thing called Vacation Bible School. Make no mistake about it, Vacation Bible School is a predatory movement that exists for the sole purpose of targeting children for five days at a time of intensive indoctrination, and it is wildly successful. And sometimes there's an insane amount of buildup around VBS. They start in the early spring with the promotion and amp it up as the school year draws to a close. This is especially true of larger churches with loads of disposable cash who offer the entire program, including full meals, snacks, and souvenirs for free. And even though there's a huge drive every year to buy and use the current year's theme, lots of churches try to offer different themes to motivate people to send their kids to their VBS or also send them to their VBS. Some communities have multiple churches who offer these programs throughout the summer, and parents, even parents who aren't particularly religious, will send their kids to several VBS programs by the time school is back in. Why? Well, the answer is simple. Summertime is tough for parents. When school is out, it overcomplicates a lot for many. Daycare is expensive, and I know lots of moms who work for the express purpose of paying for daycare and often have very little to show for their work time beyond that. To put it in perspective, the average cost for childcare in this country is in the neighborhood of 10K a year, and that's for parents who work full-time and utilize daycare all year. So... If that's you, you can lob the first 10 grand of your paycheck completely off and just forget about it. And if you're one of the highly fortunate individuals to be earning the federal minimum wage of only about 15K a year, that means that two-thirds of your income could be going into daycare. With average rents now hovering in the four-figure category in many areas, that puts competent daycare out of reach for a lot of people. But what if you're only interested in childcare over the summer? Well, there are loads of day camp programs out there, but there are problems with this plan too. According to a very recent article on parents.com, this option has been out of reach for a while, but it's even worse in a world that it's recently dealt with a global pandemic. And here's just a, a brief quote from, from their article. The American Camp Association, or the ACA, 
not to be confused with the atheist community of Austin, says says the average cost of summer camp in the United States is around $178.49 a day. And for sleepaway camp, it's $448.53 per day. I know Word of Life didn't cost that much in 1985. Not even close. I think that that was about what we paid for a week. And I think that was actually more. To be fair, these numbers are a huge increase from last year when summer camp cost an average of $76 a day and sleepaway camp set you back $172 per day. So let's look at this in terms of 2022, $178.49 per day. If you're fortunate enough to live in a state with a higher minimum wage, you're still not going to be able to afford that. Let's use Massachusetts as the example, and our state minimum wage is pretty high. If you live in the Commonwealth, you can expect to make a minimum of $14.25 an hour currently. That's going up to $15 in January. But for summer of 2022, let's say you work an eight-hour day with a 30-minute unpaid lunch. Your daily gross pay is going to be $106.88. Even if yours isn't the only income in the house, you flat out can't afford that. And babysitting is no less expensive. Most babysitters want at least $10 an hour tax-free, which still comes out to $80 or $90 a day. And guess what? Some of them want more. Some of them want that minimum wage, whether they're paying taxes on it or not. There is literally no way to win this game. Here's hoping you know a stay-at-home parent with enough compassion to give you a break and watch your kid, because that's what a lot of people rely on. Yeah, yeah that are grandparents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody. Somebody with enough compassion to actually want to help you. So whoever it is, whether it, whether it's a friend, a relative, whether you're handing over the reins to an older sibling, whatever it is, for a lot of people, paying for it just isn't an option. Yeah. So what are some solutions out there? Well, enter VBS. It's a small solution. It's not an all-summer kind of solution by any means, but at least it takes care of a week. And yeah. they know this. And a lot of churches will deny that, that they exist for this purpose. And it's not their only purpose, but they absolutely exist to prey on parents who don't have money to put their kids in daycare. So it's easy to plop them at VBS. Depending on the size of the church, VBS is usually free or dirt cheap. Some churches ask for but do not impose a suggested donation. But if the parents can't pay, they usually aren't required to. The thought there is that most church members will pay. And you know what? If they're church members, they're going to be embarrassed not to. They don't want to be the one. I mean, I, I was always embarrassed if I was the one where the, when the plate got passed, I didn't put something in it. So in a situation like this, oh, yeah, if you go to that church and there's a fee for it, you're going to pay for it. And there's usually some allocation of funds to cover the operating costs as well. So a lot of, a lot of churches will dip into their general fund and allocate money for this one thing over the summer. Some churches will also reach out to the community for free stuff, usually food. And there are plenty of pizza and sandwich shops out there who are quick to jump on the free PR because in their view, helping out a church looks good. So how much do the ones that charge a fee actually ask for? Well, like with anything else that involves churches and money, there's a lot of disparity in the numbers. I saw numbers as low as $25 and as high as $100. Most hover around the low end, $25, $35, somewhere in that neighborhood for those that actually charge anything. Some only charge if you want lunch, so kids who brown bag it can often participate for free. And there are a lot, a lot of VBS programs that are just straight up free. 
and offer breakfast and lunch as part of what they do. And a lot of larger churches will do just that. They will, they'll bring the kids in. I, when, when I did VBS during my, uh, during my internship, it all started in the cafeteria where our fellowship hall, where the kids got, um, they got cereal. They got some kind of a muffin or a little uh, packaged donut. And they got a carton of milk and a juice box. So they got breakfast, and then so only about three hours later, they're served lunch. You know, usually pizza, sometimes hot dogs. Um, if they got enough help that summer, then sometimes they even did uh, burgers and dogs on the grill outside, too. Mm. I remember that. That was one day during VBS. But some churches actually make a competition out of getting enrollments for their VBS programs. They use different VBS themes, promote free breakfasts or lunches or both, and use a variety of PR instruments to entice people to choose their VBS over the church two streets over. The easy solution that a lot of them have come up with for this is to simply not schedule it the same weeks. Some of them strategize when they're going to hold VBS because that means that there are kids that will go to both, especially if they're different themes. Especially if it's if they're not both doing the same one, but you know, a lot of churches do the same theme every year because the new themes come out every year, and it seems like they're almost immediately retired. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you keep all of your materials on hand and you do this every year, then in like a seven, eight, ten year cycle, you can actually go back and pick up an older theme and run with it again. Right. But for the most part. There are just a few publishers that create the materials for VBS, and they really, really, really drive the new um, the new themes every single year. But yeah, there are churches out there that will uh, that will strategize with each other to ensure that they each get a good turnout for their VBS. Sometimes it's not as much about competition as it is about cooperation right. and maximizing the indoctrination. Yeah. You know, so. What do churches do to entice parents and kids to choose them? Well, they employ a lot of the same marketing strategies that any business selling a service does. They use social media. They create pages for their VBS and promote through avenues like Facebook ads. Then they enlist the help of church members. Church members put signs on their lawns. They keep brochures at their desks at work and just talk it up, especially to coworkers they know struggle with child care needs. Yeah. Some churches will even have open house nights like a week or so before so that parents can come in and actually see what, uh, well, at least the parts of the program that they want the parents to see. (laughs) They offer previews by setting up a room or a wing in the church for people to just walk through and check out. And usually there's some kind of little fellowshipy thing that goes along with it. There are snacks and there's fellowship time and time to proselytize and, and get on the good side of the parent and get them all warm and fuzzy about the whole thing. And there are other ulterior motives that are attached to that that we'll talk about in a few minutes too. And we talked about uh, the whole local local business aspect of things a minute ago. But uh, as crazy as it may sound, Chick-fil-A is a huge supporter of programs like VBS. And churches will often utilize them to shove flyers and tracts into the kids' meals that uh, go out at Chick-fil-A in the weeks leading up to VBS. And no one thinks twice about it because they all know what Chick-fil-A is about. Yeah. Other businesses will support things like this and do things like this too. And a lot of times it's because they're afraid to look like they don't support a church Mm -hmm. because it 
just it makes them look it makes them look like assholes in the eyes of many if they don't want to help out a church because churches do good, right? Mm. But some of the things that they do are beyond predatory. These promotional ideas come from a site called Lifeway.com. This is also one of the major publishers of VBS curriculum. These are tactics that they polled people who are heavily involved in VBS. They literally polled these people and asked them, what do you do to promote? And I mean, hold on to your seats. Some of this is just rage-inducing that they would even think about doing any such thing. But here we go. (laughs) Incidentally, this was a brainstormed list of 72 things, 72 things that people wrote in and responded to about what they do to promote VBS. No, I am not going to read them all. I just, I I picked some of the more rage-inducing ones, (laughs) some of the ones that gave me that you've-got-to-be-kidding vibe, and this is the wheat that I winnowed from the chaff, as it were. Or maybe it's the other way around. Have the youth canvas their neighborhoods and go door-to-door to invite kids to VBS. That's what we want. A couple of kids running around in neighborhoods that aren't theirs, mm. where they don't know anyone. That's a really, really good idea. Give school flyers and door knockers to send home. I assume that means with the kids from Sunday school or in church, they're going to give them yeah. all the materials that they need to go out and proselytize and pollute the neighborhood. Let kids promote VBS by wearing their T-shirts to school or in local parades, etc. Um, let me tell you something. I got picked on more than once for my Christian rock T-shirts. Maybe not such a great idea <laughs> unless they go to a Christian school, in which case it's probably the same church that's running the VBS where they go to school. So, yeah, no, I don't like that idea very much. Set up and register children at local after-school programs such as the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, get the fuck out of my Boys and Girls Club. Yeah, right. Okay? No. I send my kid to a secular after-school program for a reason. We do not need you there. Advertise VBS to schools on flyers, in newspapers, and on local radio stations. Okay, these are churches that have money. Yeah. And lots of disposable cash because let me tell you, airtime, ad space on the radio is not cheap. No. Even in newspapers. And... And this is starting to become more antiquated by the day, too, because how many people still read print newspapers? Yeah. But, um, well, you know who? People who are still living in a world where newspapers are, where printed newspapers are relevant. And that's evangelical Christians. Sorry. Yeah. Canvas the neighborhood with door hangers, prayer walks, and visits. Visits. I saw oh. that and immediately thought peer care. It's like we're gonna we're gonna go to these people's houses and guilt them for not coming to youth group for a while, and then bribe them with pizza. It's like we're gonna be doing pizza after after a youth group this week. You want to be there? Same thing. Exact same thing. I I caught that vibe instantly when I read that. It's like this is peer care for VBS. Appoint someone to drive a church vehicle into designated neighborhoods to pick up kids for VBS and then return back home. That's the other half of peer care. Yeah. Okay. All this one is fucking nefarious. Go to a local park where kids have baseball, softball, or t-ball. Play a game to draw a crowd, then promote VBS. You've got to be kidding. God. I mean, yeah, let's pretend to have a little sports league going on so that we can proselytize people and uh, and get inside the heads of their kids. Yeah. Okay. Whoever came up with some of these really likes parades. Hand out coloring contest papers in a parade to be entered in a contest. 
Coloring pages need to be turned in on the first day of VBS. So if you want to win a prize, you need to go to VBS. Ugh. Oh, yeah, Ugh, he's right. That's so um, gross. It, it, isn't it, though? It's isn't really it just? gross. Yes. Uh, provide giveaways that are drawn randomly, but, tic- but tickets are put in the drawing based on attendance and number of guests. So now you have a better chance of winning if you bring a couple of friends along with you, too. I, it's, it's, this is just pure evil. All of it yeah. is just pure fucking evil. And yep, lure them in with food. If you feed them, they will come. We serve lunch. There was one church that set up a coffee tent to give away coffee to parents when they bring their children and invite them to stay for a short Bible study. It's not enough to get their hooks in the kids. Now they're going to go after the adults too. Good luck with that because 80% of people who don't accept Christ by the age of 18 never will. So waste your coffee if you want to, but you're not going to get through to the parents. You're going to have to get to them through the kids, and that's what this is all about. Oh, this one, you know... This brings back memories for me, too. A um, couple of times where we stood outside the uh, Mid-Hudson Civic Center and handed out tracts and flyers. It says, local theater does free movies in the summer. Hand out VBS information as a trinket as people exit. And let me tell you, the people that we handed our trinkets out to at the Civic Center were not excited to have them. No. I mean, I still, to this day, can see clearly in my head the image of this guy that I handed one of these flyers to. I was a 15-year-old kid. He looked at me with this level of contempt that I've never seen before or since and literally tossed the paper right down at my feet. And I remember feeling sorry for him and I remember feeling sorrow for his lost soul because he was clearly going to hell because yeah. he, was, he just rejected Jesus outright. And now it's like, you know what? That dude was right. <laughs> and I may not have been that blunt and that in your face with a 15-year-old. Yeah. But my inner reaction would have been exactly the same. Now, if that were to happen now, my inner reaction would be exactly the same. And I mean, there's this, this other one is basically the, the same concept. Take flyers to a local baseball field during games in the weeks before B- VBS. Why can't I say that? In the weeks before VBS and personally hand them out. No one wants them at their baseball game either. No. no one wants to be bothered by you at their baseball game or any fun thing that they're trying to do that doesn't have something to do with Jesus already, okay? Yeah. Oh, you okay. This one infuriated me when I saw it the first time. We use a local elementary school's database of addresses to mail invitations. You know what? If my public school is handing out my information to some fucking church, they're going to hear about it. Oh, yeah, right? That That is just unbelievable that they would even consider something like that. Ugh. Host an outreach at a local park with free food and games for children, kind of like what we used to do up in Lake George with Word of Life. Yeah. Invite area daycare centers. Okay, let's go after the kids who can't afford daycare and the ones who are already in daycare. Makes perfect sense to me if I'm thinking like an evangelical. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, here we go. Kids who bring friends and neighbors get a certificate for a free Dairy Queen for themselves and their friend. Bribe them with ice cream. Yeah. That's going to get them uh, excited about your VBS program. It's creepy. It's incredibly creepy. The whole ice cream motif in this context is very creepy. Invite people who come to our food ministry to come to VBS. You know, you're already needy. Let's get your kids a good breakfast and a good lunch and 
maybe we can talk to you for a little while too, just mm. like that other little uh, brainstorm that we read a minute ago. Encourage preschool parents to stay with their children during VBS. And the simple fact that they have preschool curriculum should be enough to raise red flags. But yeah. it's not like it's surprising. We talked about this in our episode about youth ministry, yeah. where uh, the Assemblies of God actually has Sunday school curriculum that is designated for birth to 18 months. Yeah. So, yeah, um, like, ab- absolutely VBS is going to have a uh, a preschool division. And my question here is what parent wouldn't stay with their kid? What, mm. what parent wouldn't stay with their preschooler? It makes no sense to me to think that they would just plop them off with strangers and walk away. Yeah. But, you know, some people do. Some people have to. Yeah. Because of the way that their uh, their work schedules line up. Have a VBS registration table set up on special days when more unchurched attend, such as Easter, Mother's Day, or Father's Day. Yeah, let's make sure that we that we get the uh, the backsliders and put all this stuff in their kids' heads. So now they're hearing about it a lot more than just Easter and Mother's Day and Father's Day. Each night the child attended VBS, uh, brought a Bible, or night. There are churches that do this at night. Each night the child attended VBS, brought a Bible, and brought a friend. Their name was put into a drawing for, wait for it, a free we. I just, what? I know. It's no. That that's that's wrong on so many levels. It's wrong, and the things that the hoops that they're making these kids jump through. I mean, you attend, you bring your Bible, but the whole thing it hinges on bring a friend. Yes. Because if you only do the other two, you're not in the running for that we. No, you have to ruin someone else's life to have that we. Um, and. Finally, and this is definitely not final on this list. You can read it for yourself. It's in the notes. But the last one that I'm willing to actually read out loud here. Each week leading up to VBS, we gave out theme-related treats to our Sunday school children. Each child received two treats, one to keep, and here it comes again, one to give to a friend. This built the excitement and gave our children a concrete way to invite others. Lure them in with candy now. I assume that's what it was. I mean, you're not going to give somebody an ice cream to hand someone hours or days later. (laughs) So it's probably a candy bar. You know, something that communicates the sweetness of the Lord. Oh, boy. And I'm not even kidding. That's precisely why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk for a minute now about the visuals with VBS because this is really how they get the attention of children. Think about the visuals and these signs that they see on church lawns and in other places as basically the cereal aisle in the grocery store. Mm. Vibrant, bright colors, big, huge, enormous fonts, super happy themes, cartoons, always cartoons, and things that mimic pop culture themes that target children. So there's that air of familiarity, but they stop short of copyright infringement. The point is, if it already looks like something they like, kids want in on it. When I look at a lot of the uh, the cover art for these VBS themes, I get like VeggieTales vibes off of them. I get 1990s Disney VHS tape vibes off of them. And there's so much more. There are so many other points of relatability because they're mimicking the secular counterparts to all of this. 
they've got the visuals down pat. They know precisely how to market these things to kids visually. And then you've got, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to actually pull up a couple of these websites as we go and look at some of the convoluted themes that encompass VBS. Most VBS themes hide behind fun games and kid-centered themes that all amount to nothing more than proselytizing kids about how awesome God is. Lure them with the fun and games, then sock them with the baseless propaganda and indoctrination. Just looking at some of these, we've, we've got a theme called Monumental. Go off-road for a monumental adventure through the colorful canyons and sun-baked trails of the Southwest. By exploring God's awesomeness, kids form a rock-solid faith for the road ahead. Now, as I go through some of these descriptions, try and note what the running trend is here. This is from group.com, and group, that's just that's the, the entire name of this company, is also a major, uh, a major publisher of VBS materials. Next, we've got a theme called Heyday. At Heyday VBS, kids will be up to their elbows in farming fun as they explore one simple Bible truth. Jesus will always love us. What do these two things have to do with one another? Uh. I know that they're going to tie it all in together somehow, but when you just read these descriptions, it's like, okay, so which is it? Are we going to be up to our elbows in farming fun, or are we just going to be fed more propaganda about how good God is? That right there is the running theme. It, I know there was there was one or two in here that I found to be, uh, they, they, they gave me, you've got to be kidding kind of moments here. So here's one called, food truck party. This is from another publisher called Cokesbury. And it says, Cokesbury's food truck party VBS invites children of all ages to get on a roll with God as a parade of food trucks rolls into their neighborhood for the summer's biggest party. Using Matthew 6.11, give us this day our daily bread, children are invited to pray as Jesus teaches. These words serve as a reminder that everything we have comes from God and our daily needs are met by God. Oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I just, what? I, how do those two things intersect at all? But it's the same thing. It's the, it's the running thread through all of these. This is what the theme is. But we're really just going to talk about how great God is. That's, <laughs> that's it with all of these. Yeah. And then there are some that have even more nefarious intent. This one's called Kookaburra Coast. Kids will discover unique destinations and exotic animals at Kookaburra Coast, complete with Jeep excursions, animals in the outback, and wonders in the Great Barrier Reef. And here it comes. Students will discover God's glorious handiwork in the land down under, and they will encounter his life-changing glory in Jesus Christ and through adventures with Moses. Where does Moses fit in with Australia? I don't know. I mean, it's just, this, this is nuts. Like Moses, they will never be the same. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're going to take Moses and plop him in the middle of uh, Australia. And that one was actually regular Baptist Press. Here's the one from Answers in Genesis for this year. It's called Zoomerang, and Answers in Genesis is Ken Ham's brainchild. This is the one that just really, really, really got me. You want to talk about just weaving an absolutely nefarious agenda into a children's program. Here's what Zoomerang is all about. This is brand new for this year. G'day, mate. Join the trip of a lifetime as we zoom off to the land down under. At Zoomerang from Answers VBS, 
You'll marvel at the unforgettable wildlife, culture, and beauty of Australia while exploring the wonder and value of life from the lives of preborn babies to eternal life in the kingdom of God. Oh, Ken Ham, fuck all the way off. Will you please? <laughs> oh, okay. That's about as much as that as I can take. Yeah. The repetitive nature of VBS themes, where they center on wild adventure themes, all exist to promote the same central idea. God is awesome and you should follow him. I'll ask it again. What the hell do any of these themes have to do with the actual subject? The short answer is they don't have anything to do with the subject and they aren't supposed to. The theme is the hook. The message is a lot simpler. And the people who develop these things know precisely how powerful a strategy it is to start putting things in children's minds that draw out super positive memories around anything related to the gospel. So they show them cool videos of the Great Barrier Reef. They assault them with uber-happy music, bright colors, and hyper-positive themes. They entice them with yummy snacks and fun games. And none of this is accidental. They do it because the more positive experiences they can give a child about the experience of Christianity, the less likely they are to become jaded or disillusioned to the gospel as they get older. They will continue to equate being a Christian with things that look good, feel good, sound good, taste good, etc. So what are the major problems with this? Well, for starters, parents outside the church have no idea what their kids are learning a lot of the time. If you go to that church, you get much more of a preview and you already know what the yeah. actual agenda is. But if you're a parent just dropping your kid off and you're not churched and you don't really know what this whole thing involves, all you're thinking about is, well, this is kind of a cool theme. They're going to have some fun. They don't understand that the actual agenda is to simply proselytize and indoctrinate. Some parents don't even put two and two together about it being basically an extended Sunday school. They figure this is just a fun thing for kids. There's nothing really overtly religious about the name of this theme on Kookaburra Coast. I mean, you know, where, yeah. where, do you, where do you get spiritual truth out of that? And most of them aren't even thinking that far. Recruitment tactics, as we've already demonstrated, are downright predatory. And in that recruitment process, a lot of parents never even know that their kids are being approached. That's the real scary part, is that they circumvent the parents and that is very problematic. In our first episode about youth ministry, we talked about a group that showed up in Portland, Oregon and started proselytizing kids as young as age five. Well, the parents in that community were having none of that. And if more parents understood what their kids were being exposed to in terms of these people recruiting for VBS, then there'd be even more problems. But the point is that it wasn't just one instance in 2014. This happens all the time. Children are approached by strangers all the time with the gospel message in various forms. And in a lot of cases, the parents are blissfully unaware of any of it happening. And some of these promotional tactics can be downright menacing and disruptive. Going through neighborhoods and leaving flyers. One of the brainstorming ideas that I cut out revolved around putting pamphlets in newspaper boxes. Yeah. And they warned, don't put them in mailboxes. That's illegal. But there's no law that says you can't shove one in a newspaper box. <laughs> so they do that. And then the door knockers and the flyers and the tracks, that all just wind up as litter. And as we, uh, as we demonstrated, they even go after the parents sometimes. It's like, why don't you come over here for a nice cup of coffee and a donut and let's talk about, uh, let's talk about our church and what we're up to. And 
VBS, and, and this, uh, this is a big one as far as I'm concerned, VBS appeals to childlike fascinations with things like adventure and heroism and instill messages of personal empowerment that are tied directly to God's involvement in their lives. God is a necessary element to you being everything that you can be, is an overlying message in VBS. VBS extends too far outside the walls of the church when they start involving local businesses and I don't know what kind of social engineering it takes to get a public school to give you their database, yeah, right. their, their parents' names and, and phone numbers and shit, or when they infest other public spaces. It just simply extends too far outside the walls of their church. Mm. It forces pop culture themes into the mold of Christianity. Even their own supporters see it. And this comes from a website called The Federalist, which is a theist publication. And they see this. And even they see the wrong in it. Whatever gets people through the doors is good. We'll bait them through our fun and games and eventually get to that boring old doctrine. So that philosophy got applied to VBS. Lure children in with a zany theme that clones some waning pop culture reference, then sneak in the most minimalistic of teachings on Jesus, if you're lucky, or God generically understood. Here is just a small sampling of the VBS offerings in the past several years. Camp out, getting more of Jesus. Mm. Team Jesus, which was an Olympic theme. Barnyard Roundup, Jesus gathers us together. Oh, you got to be kidding. Galactic Starveyors, discovering the God of the universe. And I'm certain it's not going to have anything to do with real science. Super Saints, this summer, be super. There's that superhero Mm. hyper-empowerment theme that we just talked about. Deep Sea Discovery, God is with me wherever I go. What do those two things have to do with each other? I'll ask it again. Gold Rush, Discovering the Rock of Ages. You've got to be kidding. Sun Treasure Island, S-O-N, Treasure Island. And then Construction Inc., which is a direct Bob the Builder ripoff. Yeah, wow is right. And uh, another another major issue, and I saw this. I saw this when I was interning, and I was working with the VBS. Special needs kids are basically ignored, and this isn't true of all churches. I'm not going to I'm not going to paint this with a broad brush. I'm just going to talk about what I've seen. And our church was definitely big enough and had enough resources to do better than this. I'm just going to put that right out there. But most of the special needs kids wound up in a single room all together, watching some of the videos from the program maybe doing some coloring or whatever, but they weren't part of the main group. They were kind of set apart in their own little wing and they had a few people that were charged with just taking care of them and they were put somewhere where they wouldn't be seen, basically. You know, like whatever was going on with them was somehow shameful. One of the scarier problems with VBS is that VBS workers typically go through zero training. This isn't uniformly true. I know that there are some churches that actually have planning meetings. But in far too many circumstances and instances, that training is minimal. Very, very, very minimal. Like maybe a day, maybe a Saturday. And to put it in perspective for you, I keep talking about the VN and Tresdius movements. You can... uh, You'll hear a lot more about that in episode 50 if you're really interested in this thing that I keep bringing up, but I talk about it a lot in that episode. Part of both of these retreat programs was 
literally a couple months of planning. I think it was like eight or so um, team meetings for each of these. And that was just, that was for a a three-day thing for much older participants. Everyone who was on a VN weekend was 16 or older and Tristius was for adults. And they would go through a couple months of preparation for these weekends. Whereas the average BBS workshop might just be a Saturday afternoon. Maybe. You know? Yeah, maybe. VBS workers, and here's here's another major red flag here. VBS workers are not vetted, are not typically vetted. Let's put the caveat. VBS workers are not typically vetted and don't go through background checks. And there are some out there with horror stories of abuse on all levels from adults who like to yell and spank children to even more sinister and life-altering abuses that often go unreported for years. And no, it's not just a VBS thing, but they need to vet their people better. They need to vet them at all. Mm -hmm. Some states require quarry background checks for anyone who works with children in any capacity, paid or unpaid, but far too many don't. And even in... The states that do, the goings-on in churches are such islands unto themselves that even state laws don't always mandate background checks for church volunteers. Have the atrocities of the Catholic Church taught us nothing? We need to vet the people who are going to be around our kids. It's just that simple. Last but not least, VBS is basically designed to cater to white kids and marginalized minorities. There are some blatantly racist themes in some VBS activities. And here's just one example. And this is recent. This is from 2019. This is from a website called scarymommy.com. And I mean, just just listen to what goes on in this. This is one VBS theme. And I'm not saying that they're all like this. But this one kind of slipped through the cracks. And the publisher, honestly, they didn't seem to give two shits. They were very unapologetic about it and did everything they could to justify the way that they presented this. So Group Publishing released three VBS themes in 2019, one of which is Roar. This theme offers, quote, an epic adventure to engage the whole herd. At Roar VBS, kids explore God's goodness. There it is again. Just going right back to the same shit, different theme. Kids explore God's goodness and celebrate a ferocious faith that powers them through this wild life. It goes on to say that videos published by group promise a week of fun, including delicious snacks, lively stories, colorful decorations, and hands-on activities, all supposedly based on African culture and all very definitely written by white people. Oh, yeah. That last part was me. Um, Back to the quote, except this VBS is anything but fun and games because racist activities are actually part of the curriculum. The first is an activity based on the biblical story of enslaved Israelites. Children are directed to an activity area where they are provided materials to mold bricks like the slaves. The leader is instructed to be the slave driver walking around the children and ordering the children to work faster to provide Pharaoh with the bricks that he wants. Uh, Have BBS creators learned nothing? Forcing children, especially children of color, to pretend to be slaves can be humiliating and traumatizing. And that's just the first activity, folks. Here's more. The second activity that is glaringly problematic is when leaders are instructed to encourage children to practice clicking their tongues for a few seconds before showing them a, quote, click language video. After showing the video, the children add clicks to their names and introduce themselves to one another. I'm Spider. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 
Attendees are both mocking and culturally appropriating the Kosian language. I knew people, there, there, were, there were several students at Word of Life Bible Institute that spoke in this, I don't know if it's a dialect language or what. It's a language. Um, but um, I remember there was, there was a guy who was a counselor there my second year, and, and his name was Darren. And I said, hi, Darren. And he's like, it's not Darren, it's Darren. It belonged there. Right. It, was, it was part of his identity. And I'm just thinking about this whole thing and the way that it was written. And it's like, oh, no, this was clearly pasty white people with racist tendencies mm. that wrote this. Whether it was intentionally racist or not, like I've said many times before, if you are white and live in the United States of America, you've been indoctrinated to be at least a little bit racist. Right. It's just the way that it is. Some are a lot more than a little. And that is by design. Jane Elliott will tell you that. I'm one of my favorite quotes from her that I'm paraphrasing the shit out of, but it still makes the point, is that if you go through high school in the United States of America and you don't come out on the other side of racist, then your social studies teachers didn't do their job. That's one of the things that she's said in the past. The curriculum also refers to Africa as a country in one of the VBS leader manuals. FYI, Africa is a continent made up of 54 countries. Countries within Africa are diverse, not monolithic. So there's no such thing as, quote unquote, African culture. Right. Just like we talked about in the United States a few weeks ago. When you're talking about the culture of Africa, well, which culture are we referring to? Because you've got 54 countries with their own cultures and subcultures to choose from here. Right. So what constitutes African culture. And no, there is a country called South Africa, but there is no country called Africa, sweetheart. Africa is in fact a continent, but in VBS land, it's a country. <laughs> I mean, I just, I can't even, I can't even wrap my brain around the stupidity and the irresponsibility yeah. of putting something like that in front of children and then being unapologetic about it. And just one more quick quote from the article. There is absolutely nothing cute, clever, or educational about the aforementioned activities children attending one of these VBS sessions are participating in. Instead, kids are encouraged to take part in traumatic slavery reenactment, appropriate a native language, and learn about the country of Africa from curriculum created by white people. So we can add racist indoctrination to the mix as if they don't already get enough of this in public school, but now we get it in our VBS curriculum too. And like I said, this isn't a common undercurrent, but the simple fact that it's out there and that the company just flat out refused to even apologize for it tells me everything that I need to know. But for me, the biggest issue that I have with VBS is its overall monothematic nature and that its nature is artfully hidden behind themes that appeal to children. Not a single description of any VBS theme that I saw steered off this point. They start with a description of the theme and then state its purpose. There is nothing self-empowering about it. It does not teach children to think or actualize their potential. It teaches them nothing of value. And the fun of it is contingent on being indoctrinated. You can't just play the games and watch some videos or have some pizza and go home. No, you have to sit through hours of aggressive indoctrination that is sugar-coated with fun music, eye-catching visuals, and food. Church members know what they're getting into. Many parents who use VBS as a low-cost, no-cost alternative to daycare usually don't. 
I'd like you to share this episode with anyone you know who has been lured into the concept of BBS as a means of saving money on summer childcare. I want you to let them know what's going on with their kids while they aren't there to watch, because even BBS programs that target unchurched parents still keep the adult indoctrination separate from what they do with the kids. Now, I do not think that any church would object to or refuse the request of a parent to sit in on some or all of the assemblies or activities that are part of VBS, but they definitely aren't encouraging it. I have to wonder what it must be like for children who go through VBS and then go home spouting Jesus doctrine to their unchurched parents. I have to wonder how those parents deal with it. If they really can't afford better, they probably don't do anything. They want their kids to go, so they just stay silent. That gives these people opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get that messaging in there, and eventually it's going to click. And then what? People, no evangelical church is going to protect your child. No evangelical church is going to give two shits what you think about any of what they're teaching. And yes, there are plenty of more mainline denominations out there, like the Lutherans and Presbyterians, who are also big supporters of VBS, but they aren't typically the ones that make crusades out of promotion, request school databases so they can harass parents, or run fake t-ball games so that they can hand out tracts. VBS is not day camp. Don't treat it like it is. If you want your kids to grow up in an environment where they are allowed to think for themselves about matters of spirituality, then don't put them in environments that are designed to create associations in their heads between the love of Jesus and pizza. Don't promise them a week-long safari adventure that culminates with aggressive delivery of the gospel so Christianity can get associated in their minds with fun and adventure. Showing kids videos of the Australian Outback and the Great Barrier Reef and then immediately segueing into aggressive pro-life messaging is subversive. Protect your kids and protect the kids of the people you know and love. Let them know the truth about this so that they can at least make informed decisions about whether or not they really want to put their kids in an environment built on indoctrination and run by untrained, unvetted adults who have a broad variety of reasons why they might want to have close contact with your kids. Be informed. Make good decisions. Seek alternative child care options. Most states do have assistance programs that help parents with at least part of the cost, and many secular day camps offer sliding scale enrollment options. It never hurts to ask, and the answer you get might surprise you. It's not a uniform thing, but it's better to ask and know what all your options are before you plop your kid down in a church to be indoctrinated by the likes of Ken fucking Ham for five days. Mm. Let's work together. Let's work together to keep people informed on this and on the plethora of subjects we cover on this show, because knowledge is power and the truth matters. And when it comes to children, we have the responsibility to stand between them and the ones who try to lure them in with fun and food so they can present the gospel to them in contexts that will have lasting impact on them. In other words, it's up to us to at least do something that helps keep young minds free of indoctrination and gives them a chance to grow into free-thinking, rational, logical humans who also get to live their lives unbound. 
enjoyed this episode of Unbound. Show topics are chosen based on their timeliness, relevance, and social impact. Have suggestions for future topics? Email us at unbound.podcast.network at gmail.com with all your comments and feedback. Please don't forget to like, share, and throw a few five-star ratings our way and follow us on all major social platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. Links to our social pages as well as a full list of cited sources in today's episode are listed in the show notes available at our website, getunbound.org. That's get-unbound.org. If you value this resource and would like to see it continue, please consider supporting us on Patreon at the link in the show description. And be sure to check for new updates every Sunday when we'll come together again and take one more step toward getting and staying unbound. Unbound.